There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and I am pumped to be joined by Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Joe, last podcast, we looked at three Flyers due for promotions. Today, we're going to follow it up with three Flyers that could be due for demotions. But before we get into those three, our takes on that, Flyers are picking at number seven in the June draft. They did not slide. They did not climb up. What did you think of the NHL draft lottery and the Flyers staying put? Well, as it unfolded, the lower picks, and I mean, it was, it just was chalk. Each pick was chalk and chalk. And obviously it was chalk right up until the top three, which I think the broadcast kind of messed up and revealed that Columbus had fallen to the third pick before they were supposed to. But I wasn't surprised. I mean, you know, even the conspiracy theorists out there that said, oh, let's fit, they're going to fix the draft to get Bedard in the big market. They didn't have to do that much work to get to Chicago. So if your theory is the conspiracy theorists are not going to let the generational talent like McDavid is in Edmonton. So they're going to make sure this generational talent is in a big hockey market. They accomplished that and they didn't have to. Like there's nobody giving any theories that this was a conspiracy because he went to Chicago because they only moved up. They were in the top three already. So, um, yeah, I I was not expecting anything to happen like that. Uh, The Flyers caught lightning in a bottle in 2017 when they got the pick that ended up being Nolan Patrick. They caught lightning in the bottle. I'm merely referring to where they picked in the draft, obviously. Um, And we know how that uh, panned out. Uh, I highly doubt they'd be that lucky two times in a six-year span to jump that five or more picks up in the draft. So uh, not surprised at all by that. Um, and this is supposed to be a deep draft. Everyone says it's a deep draft. Um, and the Flyers have a lot of work to do. And I think this pick being a home run combined with, um, you know, some of their guys taking leaps and, you know, future drafts, finding guys, diamonds in the rough in the later rounds of the draft. Those are the things that this, whoever this new hockey operations staff, whoever that's comprised of, that's what they have ahead of them. I think it's more than one, it's more than one player's worth. Now you could say Connor Bedard is putting your franchise more than one player ahead just by himself. And we've seen that with Connor McDavid. But let's remember, it's not like Connor McDavid's played in a bunch of different Stanley Cup finals at this yeah. point in his career. Um, could be headed there this year. But, you know, you see that team, just to using it as an example, a team that got that generational talent, 
they give up a ton of goals every game. Connor McDavid's not helping that. He's helping outscore that, but he's not helping prevent that from happening. And when's the last time we saw a Stanley Cup champion giving up four, five, six goals a game? It really doesn't happen generally. And then the other generational talent from that McDavid draft was Jack Eichel, and he's with Vegas now, not even with Buffalo, who picked him originally at number two. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of hoopla, most of it around Connor Mc- Connor Bedard, <laughs> but uh, mixing up the Connors, <laughs> most of it around Connor Bedard. But, you know, it, I wasn't expecting them to jump to number one and – Regardless, this staff has a lot of work to do, and they need to find draft picks, free agents, and create some cap space. So those are not, you know, the the to-do list is pretty long for this offseason. Um, and hitting this number seven pick would be at the top of the list. The overwhelming focus for me, I think, should be that the Flyers can get a good player at seven. And we've seen uh, good players be drafted at seven most recently. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Dylan Cousins, uh, further in the past, Mark Scheifele, Ivan Provrov obviously was the seventh overall pick, Jacob Voracek, Matt Dumba. Good players can be selected at number seven, and the Flyers need to focus on making sure they're hitting on these picks. And think about the name, you, I mean, just to pick one of the names you just mentioned out of uh, Mark Scheifele. He's been the captain of the Winnipeg Jets for a long time now. If they could get a Mark Scheifele, every, every fan – Every front office person, everybody involved with the Flyers would sign up for that right now. Now, they haven't won a Stanley Cup, but, I mean, Shifley has been the centerpiece of that team for uh, – I actually shouldn't say he was the captain the whole time because Blake Wheeler was the captain for a while. But Shifley's been a integral part of that team, and we saw a couple of years ago when he got hurt in the playoffs, their whole team dynamic changed. So – that player was taken at number seven. If the Flyers could get something anywhere close to that at number seven, they would sign up for it right now. And when the Flyers, when, when you're a team like them and rebuilding and putting an emphasis on youth, and that's the thing that's going to push it forward. You get high-end talent in the draft, you can get it in the top ten. It doesn't have to be the top one, two players. Don't get me wrong, Connor Bedard is a generational type of talent. Adam Fantilli is really good. But you can get good players uh, in that seven to ten range, and the Flyers really need to focus on drafting and developing, hitting on players like Cutter Goche at five, and the potential pick here at number seven. Make making sure you're hitting on those players, getting them in your system, and building around it. Yeah, and the NHL draft is not covered like the NFL draft, and 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 most years the NBA draft, where you know y- your average fan knows you know, 20 to 30 players that are going to be picked in both of those drafts. The NHL draft isn't like that. You usually hear one or two names Two, the Connor McDavid year. You heard McDavid and Eichel. Those were the years. Even going back to the Nolan Patrick draft, the names you heard about Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick, they were the top two picks. I don't remember people talking about Miro Heiskanen before that draft. I remember a little bit about Kale McCarr, Elias Pettersson. I don't remember a ton of buzz about him being a generational talent. And those guys, at least speaking of McCarr, is a generational talent. Pettersson's pretty close, I think. Um, so it's not like if you get beyond the guys that people are talking about, that, that those players can't be generational players. They certainly can. Yeah. 
Exactly. And uh, that, that should be the overwhelming, I think, theme here is that the Flyers need to draft and develop no matter where they're picking. Uh, it's not just about getting the top overall pick or top two pick. Make sure you hit on those first round picks and continue to stockpile town as best you can and try to push it forward. But Joe, we are live at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia, and we're excited to get into this second aspect of our our theme that we were doing of demotions and promotions. We looked at three flyers due for a promotion next season on a previous podcast. We're going to get into to demotions today. So let's start from three to one. Your third player, Joe, that could be in line for a demotion. So I'm going to go with, and and listen, I like his attitude on the ice. I like the way he comes, plays hard all the time, but the game needs to be reined in a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to say Wade Allison because I wondered the guy that came up late in the season two years ago that was scoring goals. He was around the net. He seemed to have a a nose for where to be to get in goal scoring areas. I don't think the player we saw this season in Wade Allison resembled that player. And I kind of was puzzled as to why, because. He skates hard. He plays hard. He can play a physical game while also getting into the goal scoring areas. Wade Allison's trouble wasn't anything to do with the actual game of hockey aside from him staying healthy. And then this season, he remained relatively healthy, but it just felt like he, I don't know. And I'm not, it seemed like he was lost on the ice a lot of times. Like, um, and he, I felt like watching him, he put himself into bad spots, spots that could result in injury. For example, carrying the puck into the zone with a full head of steam, but then going going to backward skating into the offensive zone corner and just passing the puck and then leaving yourself wide open to get destroyed against the boards. Like those, those are kind of things where it's almost like, a pickup game and he showed up and he had never played with some of the guys on the ice before. And that's not the case. And I kind of wondered why that happened. So I think assuming he remains healthy this off season and gels with this team, if he's part of John Tortorella's plan. And I think Allison was one of those guys where we didn't Tortorella didn't talk about him really enough for us to get a read on exactly how he felt about this guy. There were certain guys we knew he loves that guy. He might not be super fond of that guy's game. He didn't bench Wade Allison in the like in an obvious way where he was and you know, I know Wade was in and out of the lineup a little bit, but he didn't bench him like in the middle of a game or sort of make an example out of him or anything like that. Um, so I definitely think he needs to refine his game and refine it to the use the skill set that he has because the word I would use to describe his game last season would be random um, because I never felt like I, I almost felt like he was playing catch up to be in the right spots on the ice, particularly when he didn't have the puck. And uh, that's not going to get you a lot of ice time from John Tortorella we didn't hear him specifically criticize him much for that, but it just in watching him play random would be the, the, the way I would describe his game. And uh, I, I wonder what his role will be going forward. That's a really good one. Uh, I actually have him as well. Uh, I actually have him one spot up, so we'll get into him a little bit later, mm -hmm. but 
the reason I do have him there, Joe, and I think you do too, is that also they're going to have potentially two forwards coming back and Cam Atkinson, Sean Couturier. Uh, and then you have some kids knocking on the door like Tyson Forrester, Elliot Desnoyer. So there's going to be competition. And John Tortorella had mentioned how Wade Allison's hurt a lot and um, doesn't always play the style that they want him to play. Uh, there's one thing to be max effort all out hustle, which Wade Allison is, and you really commend him for playing that way. But there's a way to do it in a, in a smart fashion uh, where you're effective and not out of position and then also staying healthy. I thought it was a real positive that Wade Allison played 60 games this year. It's the first time he's really got a full crack at a pro season. And- yeah, like I said, I mean, that was what we were worried about with him. This other stuff we're talking about now is not anything that was even part of the equation yeah. um, before this season. And I think we both recognize, obviously, by talking about this, we've recognized the same things with him about the random positions on the ice and sort of being out of position. And, you know, there are a few things that are above being out of position that are going to get your ice time cut in the NHL. Uh, but that's certainly one of them. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think there's you saw a number of young younger players sort of solidify roles or at least win a lot longer of a leash with John Tortorella, the Noah Cates, the Morgan Frost, the Owen Tippets. Uh, this is speaking of the forward position group. Wade Allison, I feels like just very much in the middle. Like they saw some things, but they didn't see enough, and they don't really have a long term commitment to him just right now. He's got one more year left on his deal for cheap. Uh, he's a 25-year-old, so he's not ridiculously young. He's not old. I think he's very much in the figure-it-out type of phase with the Flyers. He's still figuring out who he is. But, I mean, he's got all the makings of being a real effective bottom sixer. Like, he's got probably top six offensive upside, but he's got, like, a bottom six engine. Uh, nine goals in those 60 games, which is not bad. If you give him 10 more games, he's you know he's in double-digit goal range. Uh, but the Flyers are going to have some more competition. They're going to the potentially going to have two established players back in the lineup up front. And they like kids like Tyson Forrester and Elliot Daynoyer. So, uh, yeah, Joe, I, I agree. I, I had Wade Allison at number two. Uh, he's a guy that I think could really be in a fight for playing time and for his role. Uh, very much needs to, I think, open some eyes a little bit more next year to solidify himself being a part of the future. I don't think the Flyers don't believe he can be a part of it, but I don't think they're convinced yet that he is too. No. And this coach is not, you don't have to figure out. There's not a lot of mysteries with how he feels about certain players. Um, And I feel like the ones that he didn't talk about that much are in that figure it out territory. And clearly Wade Allison, I think is right in there. So who's your number three? Yeah. So I had, I had Tanner Lazinski and it's a guy that's very similar to Wade Allison in, in terms of where they are right now at the organization. Also a guy that's 25. I believe he turns 26 on June 1st. So he's not very young. He's a four-year college kid. And he admitted, he had a, he said at the end of his season press conference, he said, I had a crap year. Um, he missed almost three months because of a lower body injury. Just didn't look like the same guy when he got back towards the end of the season. And John Tortorello was very honest about Tanner Lazinski. He said he heard a lot about Lazinski and that he can be a fourth-line center type, third-line center type, but he said he never saw it from him. So Lazinski was very accountable at the end of the season, said he just didn't feel like he had a good year, said it should be fire for him going into the offseason. But 
I think just because of where he is, he's got one more year left on his deal. He's battled injuries. I don't think he's won over anyone yet in the Flyers organization. And similar to Allison, he's going to be up against competition. The Flyers should be have they want to have kids pushing everywhere, and they're going to have some vets potentially back in the lineup too in guys that we mentioned, Atkinson, Couturier. So Tanner Lozinski, to me, is my number three for potentially seeing a demotion, potentially maybe not being in the opening night lineup, potentially you know, fighting for playing time. Uh, he was in the opening night lineup this year. Uh, then, unfortunately, injuries just really set him back, and he just really didn't make the impression I think he wanted to. So he's at number three for me. Yeah, I, I think Tanner Luzinski is in danger of falling into that territory of the guy you always hear his name, but you never see. Yeah. Pan out on the ice. And we see it all across all of sports. The Phillies were known for it for a, a good portion of the 80s and 90s. You, you always would hear these kind of overinflated descriptions of their prospects, and then you would never see it, or you would wonder why the person wasn't up in the major leagues. And I think injury is aside, those are the things we wonder about Tanner Lazinski. And, um, you know, I feel like John Tortorella tried to give him a vote of confidence by pumping him up a little bit, talking about him to the media early in the season. And you just like, we never saw it. Yeah. So, and again, it's not forward is not the position on this team to be like half in half out yeah. because like you said, there's two key pieces coming back and that's, independent of anything they do free agency wise. And I like Tanner Lazinski, a uh, good guy, good kid. Um, I think he works hard and and he's got some elements to his game that I really think could, uh, could be valuable in, in an NHL lineup, but he just didn't show it this year and he wasn't able to stay healthy. And that's, he's a guy that's battled injuries too. He's had a, a ton of hip problems. Uh, and when you're a four-year college player, you just don't get as long of a leash. There's not as much patience because when you get to the NHL, you're around 24, 25. Uh, you're not, a, you know, a teenager or in your early 20s. So uh, these guys are expected to produce a little quicker. Uh, so similar to Allison Lazinski, I think is going to be in a fight uh, to, to prove himself and prove that he can be an everyday NHLer. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Joe, number two, guy that could be in line for demotion. Who is it? So I'm going to say Felix Sandstrom here yeah. because, and, and the obvious is the, the the elephant in the room is that the, the coach loves Sam Erson. Yeah. And I think if 
you don't have Sam Harrison as your backup, you probably need to explore trading him because um, to me, Sandstrom didn't do enough to say I'm a solid backup NHL goaltender. And uh, Harrison did, quite frankly. Um, Harrison at times looked like a starting goaltender for stretches. And I, and I I think I've brought this up on this podcast before. I think we've talked about it. The way Harrison's NHL tenure started with getting pulled, then having to go back in because Carter Hart got hurt in that game, that would be enough to ruin a lot of guys' careers. And all he did was take it and run with it for a five, six game stretch there where he looked like a starting goaltender in this league to the point where people were joking around about whether there would be a goalie controversy. So to me, Felix Sandstrom all of a sudden looks like a guy without a role on this team. Um, Now, is his role to go back to the minors? I don't know. It's a little tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube when he was with the big club all season. Yeah. I would say it's a li- maybe a little tough to do that um, without letting him explore other NHL opportunities because you look around the league and you see people like Alex Lyon playing in playoff series, and this was a guy that, outside of a few opportunities, never really got an opportunity here. So to me, if you're Felix Sandstrom and you see that, you want a new start somewhere else. You don't want to go play in the minors, not after spending a whole year with the big club. So to me, Sandstrom is, is a guy that's definitely in line for a demotion. And that's we talked about it with the forward position. This this is a position where, at least for the backup spot, there's push from the guy in the minors. And the coach loves him, which leads to me, leaves Sandstrom as the odd man out. So I'm going to say him as number two. The way John Tortorella talked about Samuel Erson, it felt like Erson had leapfrogged him on the organizational depth chart, uh, Felix Sandstrom, uh, without really playing the NHL games and getting more work because they, they, they were so focused on Erson getting time down with the Phantoms. Uh, but John Tortorella is going to have a lot of say. His voice is going to be heard. Uh, and we also know process. now that in, in the NHL, I mean, the backup goaltender might play 30 games. Yeah, It's not like – you know, the backup's going to play 10 games or five games. We, I mean, we, we see it. We've seen it since Carter Hart's career started. He now Carter might want to play every game, but they don't play him every game. They, they need a backup goaltender. They can count on Brian Elliott was that for a little while. Um, and I think Samuel Harrison has done enough already to show you that he's at least the front runner for that position. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Sandstrom is the odd man out there with that situation. Yeah, it's tough to see where his pro career is going to go. I, I believe he's got one more year left uh, on his deal. So he's under team control. But, uh, yeah, will, will he spend more time in the minors? Will he eventually maybe head back overseas and, and play? He, you know, he's Swedish, so maybe he eventually he'll return to the SHL and play over there. Who knows? I, you know, I don't want to judge him or judge where his career path is going to go. but it really does feel like Samuel Erson has has surpassed him, uh, especially in the eyes of the head coach. And we all know John Torrell is going to have a lot of say in player personnel. His voice is going to be heard. Uh, that's a fact. Yeah, Joe, I had Wade Allison at number two. We talked a lot about him. Um, a guy that is really going to have to prove himself in year two under John Tortorella. I think there's things that they like about him, but they really want to see more and see it consistently and see if he can. I think the goal for Wade Allison will one keep his role, stay in the lineup, and play more games. Uh, six, he's not bad, but 
try to get up in the 70 range. Right. And we heard John Tortorella reference that, that he's always banged up. Yeah. Uh, that's not what you want to hear about yourself from your head coach. Yeah. And and when he's saying banged up, he's not talking about injured. He's talking about little nicks here and there. And um, that potentially could keep him out of the lineup. Yeah. So you need to be available. And uh, some of the stuff I talked about earlier with putting himself in vulnerable spots, head down in the middle of the ice, leaving yourself wide open along the boards to get crushed after giving up the puck. These are the kind of things that you need to tighten up so that you are available more and you're not nursing some sort of nagging issue after every game. Um, And quite frankly, I mean, Wade Allison was on on the ground a lot. I mean, he goes on a breakaway, gets a shot, ends up on the ground or it's, it's a, it's a, there's a reckless nature that on, in, on one respect, you can respect that sort of play, but on the other hand, you need, it needs to be, if you want, if you plan on playing a long time in this league, you can't play that way. You just can't do it. You're not going to last. Um, and the falling down and the being out of position, those things kind of go hand in hand because you fall down, particularly after a, 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 like a breakaway or an offensive opportunity that you don't score on, that can go the other way quickly. And if you're down behind the net, then that's a, a one man less on the other end. And that's the kind of stuff that we saw way too much of, and that's what has to be cleaned up with his game. Yeah, when the, with the Flyers, when – if, if we're talking about guys that we don't know, like exactly where their role is, that tells you like, that's why they probably could be in line for demotion. It's tough to tell where they fit. I think the Flyers worked a lot with Allison and uh, how to play, how to play his style, not, not take away what he does well, but also uh, hone it, tweak it and, and make sure he's being effective. Cause you're right. If, if you play that style, you take yourself out of the play, it leads to goals against. I'm just trying to figure out what the difference is when his game with his game under AV as opposed to torts. I can't figure it out, but it does seem like he wasn't around the net as much with torts as he was with AV. Yeah, that first true. year when he came up, I mean, he was always, always, always around the net, yeah. getting rebounds, getting those, the, the cliche, the dirty goals, yeah. going to the goal scoring areas. I didn't notice him doing that this year. Sure. And I will say, he, you know, when he first came up, like they were, he was one of the more exciting prospects they wanted to look at. And he got opportunity. He got power play. He got, um, he got more minutes this year. I think he was tasked with being more of a bottom sixer and playing in smaller minutes and being effective that way. I think it was definitely a learning year for him. Um, Very interested to see what kind of player he can be next year. What kind of role, um, he'll have and what kind of competition he'll have too. Cause as you mentioned, Joe, we're not even, we're not even counting for maybe potential signings. I mean, you know, potentially they, as John Tortell said, backfill, potentially they get, you know, a, a role player in free agency up front where they backfill. And again, a role is potentially up for grabs. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Joe, I'm very interested and intrigued to hear who you have. Number one. I think we're both going to have the same one. Uh, I'm going to say Kevin Hayes. Okay, I have something different, but okay. I'm excited. Well, that's interesting. So yeah. Kevin Hayes, to me, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to be here next year. I yeah. think they're going to find a, a suitor. That might cost them something. 
that might cost them one of these forwards that we're talking about going somewhere else um, to entice a team to, to bring Kevin Hayes' contract on. I don't see how he could have a role in this team this year. Um, we all know him and the coach didn't see eye to eye much of the season. Um, and there were just times where he just looked out of the fire that he showed when he came here. I didn't see that at all last year. And I think those are the kind of things happen when you don't see eye to eye, to eye with the head coach. And um, I just I can't see a role, a crucial role on this team with him going forward. I just can't, I I can't see it. So he's going to be my number one because I think he. If you combine his game, his his uh, his clashing with the coach and his salary, um, I think a move and a, and a start somewhere else is what it would be best for the player and the team with Kevin Hayes. I felt like John Tortorella really put the writing on the wall with Kevin Hayes. Like, but here's he just, the thing though. It's not like you can just go, okay, let's get rid of him. I mean, he's got term and money on his yeah uh, deal. So it's not like teams are lining up to take on term and money. And especially like, it's not like you, for the salary he's making, there are guys scoring twice the amount of goals in this league. So you start adding those things up. It, that's what I mean. Yeah. You might have to give up a, a, a piece to get it to go with Hayes. Um, and I, I don't think it's just going to be as easy as, okay, we have to, uh, we have to move on. No, I think they will have to retain some salary and um, potentially spice up the offer just because not because Kevin Hayes is a bad player. I think other teams will absolutely value him uh, given where his age is and what he did this year in terms of production. But uh, yeah, his, his deal comes with term and with bigger dollars. So uh, yeah, my gut tells me I'm, Kevin Hayes will not be here next year with the Flyers. That's, um, you know, I don't think the Flyers are going to be in like an absolute rush to get him out. I don't think they're going to have to think like, let's give him up for nothing. So it wouldn't like terribly surprise me if Kevin Hayes is back, but it, uh, very much I think Kevin Hayes admitted to us that uh, he saw the message the Flyers were sending and where the Flyers are and they really want to get younger and they want to rebuild and they want to clear some spots. And uh, Kevin Hayes turned 31. I believe uh, last week, uh, so or earlier this week. So yeah, he's 31 and he's got some term and maybe doesn't fit in a rebuilding type of picture. Uh, so that's a good one, Joe. Yeah, very much in line for a demotion. I would even think uh, if he was here, he maybe wouldn't see the minutes and the situations he got earlier in the year. He, I mean, he saw a dip last last this past season. Yeah, with uh, his minutes, his I mean, spot. We saw lineup. him playing bottom six a lot, right? At the end of the season, so. uh, which really put the writing on the wall mm-hmm. that doesn't look like Tortorella really believes he's a part of this moving forward. I have Ivan Provrov, Joe. It's a guy that I think has a better chance of still being here, but I just don't know what kind of role he's going to have. Um, if he's not moved in the offseason, uh, it's just really tough to get a read on how the Flyers still feel about him, how John Tortorella feels about him. He played the second fewest minutes per game of his career. Uh, the only time he played fewer minutes was his rookie year. Uh, I believe it like seven years ago. So, like the Flyers want to get younger on defense. They have a kid like Cam York who wants that, that they want to play power play and play a lot of minutes. Rista Linen earned power play time last year. 
or this past season. And we've talked about risk alignment on the other part of this podcast where, yeah. with the promotion. And once things for sure, Risto's minutes are not going to go down. They're only going to go up because of the way he played. And he, I think he solidified himself as a second pair defenseman. He's played his best when he's with Sanheim. Yeah. So if Sanheim and him are the second pair, where does that leave Provorov? Again, another question. Like you said, there's a lot of questions with Provorov's game. And this is another guy we saw not seeing eye to eye with the coach different times this season. Yep, exactly. And Cam York's also a lefty shot, just like Provorov. So they're very similar. And I, I think obviously the organization wants to start to build around Cam York and have him play every day, play in all situations. And I really think they're still committed to Sanheim being a big part of this. I mean, he's just next year starting a new eight-year deal. and They kind of don't have much of a choice. <laughs> right, exactly. And Tortorella had mentioned that they believe they can get it right with him. So I think Sandheim could maybe take on more responsibility in terms of bigger minutes and maybe some power play time to get his confidence going. Uh, so I just think the Flyers want to get younger at that position, and I think they have guys that are just kind of starting new deals or young players that are ready to take – bigger chunks of the pie just makes me really wonder where Ivan Provrov stands. Uh, is he still going to be a flyer next year? I think is a question and just kind of what role he plays. I think Provrov was pretty frustrated at times with the role he was playing. I think he wanted more minutes. I think he would have loved to play on the power play more. They didn't really give it to him all the time. I think they wanted to see more out of him. And I think they wanted more balance on their day. Uh, so Provrov to me is the number one where I, I could see him maybe being demoted or potentially not being here too. It's just one of the biggest question marks. I think there is this off season. Yeah. I would say the biggest issue with Provorov that leads to the, that frustration you referred to there is that the flyers and John Tortorella's vision of what Provorov is, is significantly different than what Ivan Provorov's vision of himself is. Yeah. He views himself as a, and they view him, him as B or C and a, B and C are not that close in yeah. this scenario. So I think that is what has led to the frustration. Um, so again, I don't think it's as much as the Kevin Hayes scenario with the not seeing eye to eye, but I can totally see because John Tortorella did go out of his way near the end of the season to praise the play of Provrov. Uh, I don't feel like he did that with Hayes. Yeah. That's why I have Ivan Provrov because I do think there's a decent chance he's back here and they want to work with him. He's, you know, he's younger than Kevin Hayes. Uh, doesn't make as much. He's a defenseman, so he plays, you know, more minutes. So I don't think there's more gray area with Provorov, whereas I think with Kevin Hayes, even Kevin admitted that uh, he got the message. I think I think there's a very good chance they will part ways. Where with Provorov, not exactly sure. Ton of gray area there with him, uh, which could have him in line for demotion. I wonder, too, if, if his situation just screams somewhere else for a fresh start. Mm -hmm. uh, that whole new scenery thing. I almost think maybe both sides are debating that too of is this is a, uh, a classic case of new scenery. He mm -hmm. needs to go somewhere else for a fresh start and the Flyers maybe need to move on finally. And uh, he's got value. I mean, if the, if the Flyers do go to the trade route with him, uh, he's got a ton of value still. So we'll see where it all goes, but the Flyers have so many moving parts, so many, uh, I think jobs to win. Like, I can't, I'm not sure if I really recall uh, a training camp where there's roles and responsibilities up for grabs. Uh, last year, there was a ton because it was a new coach. I still think that's the case, Joe. And uh, we still have the off season to go to, to figure out who's going to be here, who won't. 
And, and that includes what, in the front office. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they still need to hire a president of hockey operations. Uh, it's early. It's still May. The entry test not until late June. Uh, but that still needs to be figured out. So ton of stuff to figure out upstairs before there's even decisions to be made downstairs. But we'll have it all covered here on the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much for joining me. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. Big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer over here to my left, uh, for always being flexible with our time. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.